I'll get in trouble for this, I'm certain, but... And welcome back to another episode of the Saturday 6 Podcast. I am your host, AJ, here with my brother, Tyler, ready to recap week five of the college football season. What's going on, brother? How you feeling? Feeling good. A lot of close games, a lot of interesting little nail biters to go over. I mean, it was, it was a good weekend. It was. We had six good ones that we picked, one that went down on Friday, and then a couple of really close, really good games there on Saturday and Saturday night. We're going to touch on those, recap them for you here in just a second. But as always, before we do that, just want to remind you guys, if you're not already, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Saturday6Pod. We're always pumping out content on there for you guys. And if you would, please just share the podcast with somebody that you know. Let them know that you listen to us every week and get them on the bandwagon as well. We always appreciate that if you do it. So without any more messing around, let's go ahead and get to it. The recap of week five of the college football season. I want to start with that game that we picked on Friday night. A little Pac-12 action going down. Had two top 25 teams going at it. An undefeated team that goes down here. It's the Utah Utes without Cam Rising. They go on the road to Corvallis and lose to the Oregon State Beavers. DJ, you and company get the big win. 21 to 7 is the final score in this one. And the storyline for me is just that Utah offense without Cam Rising is not what we've come to expect from them. Really good on defense still, but not able to get any kind of work going on offense without Cam. Yeah, I think they finally got exposed for the lack of experience that they had at quarterback. I think that's the big one, like you touched on. Oregon State was really efficient with the way that they played. And then it was a big environment, and Utah just couldn't handle the pressure. It was really tough for them to kind of get anything going offensively. I mean, as soon as it looked like they kind of had something figured out, Oregon State hits back with their own scoring drives. So uh, just a tough one for the Utes, and that's going to knock them down a little bit. They really need Cam Rising back, but at this point – There's no telling when he'll be back for them. Yeah, I touched on it last week in the picks pod. You know, they've got that big stretch of games. Within four weeks, they're playing the likes of Washington, Oregon, and USC. Before they get there, though, they have Cal and then a bye week. So maybe you give him two more weeks of rest here, you think, and then get him right for for that stretch run. They're really going to need him because, like we said, the quarterbacks were not able to do anything, whether it was Nate Johnson or Blake Barnes. And then on the other side for Oregon State, like, DJU didn't have his best game. Like, he did just enough to kind of get them the win. No really standout performances. They were able to lean on Damian Martinez in that run game a little bit. And then their wide receiver, Silas Bolden, had 100 yards in that uh, touchdown that kind of put it away for him there at the end. But big win for Jonathan, Jonathan Smith and the Oregon State Beavers as they will look to move up in the polls. Uh, they're sitting at 4-1 and on the season. Are they a contender in the Pac-12? It's tough to say. I mean, the Pac-12 is so good this year, and it's something that we're not used to really seeing in the last year of this conference as we know it. There's and, just so many Oregon, good teams that you got to run through. 
And Oregon State doesn't have a home next year. Like, they're fighting for a conference at this point. They're the Pac-2 with Washington State. Right. I mean, there's a chance there. I'd have to look at their schedule and see who they play at home, who they play away. Um, And the Pac-12, I mean, I I don't see many teams, if any, coming out of that conference without at least one loss um just because they're so good this year i mean they're they're just beating up on each other you know but yeah they're a contender i mean they're doing everything right as of right now this is a big win that certainly helps them and they got to just use that momentum to keep going forward absolutely well let's keep the pac-12 vibe going what you think let's stick in that conference and touch on a great game you know it was was iffy there early if it was going to be a good one or not but one team made a second half comeback, made it a little dicey for the other. Talking about the USC Trojans who went on the road to the show of the season. Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffs were hosting the Trojans. And Trojans got out to a big lead. I mean, it's 14 to nothing at the end of first quarter. Colorado figures some things out there in the second quarter, but still it was 34 to 14 at half. And you're thinking, uh-oh, this might be a repeat performance of last week. You know, we we picked Oregon to trounce them last week. You thought USC would do the same. I thought there was potential here for a backdoor cover, and that's exactly what happens is Colorado scores 27 points in the second half to just barely get within that 21 and a half. Final scores 48 to 41. They do cover, but another loss for the Buffaloes is they dropped a three and two. Yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of saw this USC straight up win. And I don't know if I want to consider it a comeback necessarily. It's one of those where USC just kind of let off the gas a little bit. And I think that they were trying to save a little bit for next week. They know that they have the win and maybe they got a little bit too comfortable. And that's what let Colorado get so close at the end. But I mean, this Colorado team, team, there's still a lot of questions. I see them losing more games. I mean, It was an awesome start to the season. They'll certainly win a couple more, but they've got a lot to work on before, you know, they really get to this contender uh, tier that they want to be at. Yeah, it was one of those things where, like, if you leave any offense on the field for very long, they're going to score points against this USC defense. Like, we talked about that last week going into this game. This USC defense is just not good. I mean, they just don't have the willpower. I mean, they got dudes, but it just doesn't seem like when it comes down to it that they can get a stop when they really need it. You know, Caleb Williams is going to do his thing. He had over 400 yards and six touchdowns against this Colorado defense. They get a big contribution from Marshawn Lloyd, the running back, Taj Washington, the receiver. But like you said, you know, it's just it's just not enough for the Buffs. I think going forward, they're in good shape as far as maybe making a bowl game here. But I think that's probably the ceiling for this team. Yeah, that defense is just dog water, man. Absolute hot dog water. Um, They got the guys. I think the culture is not there. I think you have so many transfers as well. It's really hard to, you know, have a culture and an identity to your defense. And then you you just really don't have like a defensive-minded head coach. And you're in the Pac-12 where defense isn't really, you know. Optional. Yeah, it it's there's there's not an emphasis on it like like there is in uh like the Big Ten, the SEC, obviously. So they got a lot more to do, but I think Caleb Williams is just gonna single handedly win these games. 
um, and score a ton of points. Their freshman, what's his name, Zachariah Smith? Branch, uh, yeah. Zachariah Branch, excuse me. He didn't play, and he's probably one of their best players, man. So there's probably a lot more that this USC offense can do once they get him back. Yeah, they got lots of weapons. Getting him back will be huge for them. They've got big games coming up, so they're going to need to figure something out on defense to match that offense. All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk about our dogs. We're going to go to an SEC matchup here. First road test for the number one team in the country. The Georgia Bulldogs going to go on the road to Jordan-Hare Stadium, face off against those Auburn Tigers. Auburn coming off of a loss. They were hungry to kind of bounce back in this one, and this was another nail-biter. You know, it's 10 to nothing early after the first quarter. Georgia scores 10 points in the second quarter there so that it's tied at half. And the second half was more of the same, really close action. In the end, Carson Beck is able to find Brock Bowers time after time in order to get this win. Uh, but 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 a really a, a nail-biter for Coach Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. This was a tough one. Yeah, I mean, you really don't know what you have out of this Georgia team right now. I think it, it's tough. If they get off to another slow start, yes, that is – I touched on it. That is a – hard environment to get into when you, you got a first year starting quarterback he's not a freshman but this is the first year starting for the team mm-hmm. and it that's a tough road game it's your first road game and i mean there there are some defensive players you know talking about it nazir stackhouse was talking about it before the week he said we're really not the same defense that we were we don't have that that hunger and the tenacity that the last two national championship defenses for Georgia had. Um, I like what Auburn was able to do in the run game. They used their quarterbacks very well in the run game to really spread Georgia's defense out. And while they weren't able to get anything going through the air, yeah. um, their, their, their run defense was a spark and a light for them. I think that they really need to focus on that going forward in order to be successful. And then – I mean, Georgia, your run defense was – it was a lot of broken plays. I don't want to say it was bad, but there's a lot of broken plays. Yeah. Um, and then the offense, I mean, you take Brock Bowers out, out of this offense, this is an 8-4 and four Georgia team right now from what I've seen. I mean, Brock Bowers is just that dude. He single-handedly wins Georgia games, and that's what he did on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, the guy had two catches at halftime and maybe like one or two more in the third quarter. It was really the fourth quarter when they really needed to have it that they kept feeding him the ball. So, like, if you're Auburn's defense, you got to blanket that dude. I mean, if you know that that's who they're going to, you you got to put two, maybe three guys on him just to slow him down because he is that good. He is probably one of, if not the best players in college football at this point. I thought – As a whole, Carson Beck played pretty well, 313 yards, did have a touchdown, did have an interception. I thought he played pretty well. For me, the question for this Georgia team has got to be the offensive line. Maybe maybe both lines of scrimmage. The offensive line being able to protect Carson and being able to open up run holes for Dejan Edwards in this running back core because Edwards ran the ball 19 times but only 76 yards. Now, he did have two touchdowns, two tutties, but – wasn't a whole lot of room for him to run 
And then on the other side, that defensive line, you talked about it. Auburn was able to establish a run game here with Peyton Thorne ripping off that 60-yarder early in the first quarter. They were able to kind of get it in check as the game went on. But against these better teams, you're going to have to keep contain on the edge specifically because it seemed like time and time again, they would kind of bottle it up in the middle and then something would get bounced or the quarterback would pull the ball and get around that edge and really pick up those hard to earn yards. So moving forward, they're going to face some tougher teams. They're going to face some teams that can run the ball like next week against Kentucky. Ray Davis went off against Florida. They're going to have to be able to stop the run if they want to win some more games. So uh, for me, those are the two question marks. Offensive line, can you get a push? Can you take some pressure off of Carson Beck by being able to run the ball, open up some lanes? And then on the defensive side, can you shut down a team's run game? Because I think the secondary for Georgia is going to get the job done every week. They've got playmakers galore back there. Malachi Starks had a pick. Tyke Smith has looked pretty good this year. Kamari Lasseter on the outside is we're not hearing his name during broadcast, and that's always a good thing when you're a corner because that means that you're not allowing anything to go down on your side. So if they can shut down the run for teams moving forward, I think they'll find some more success. All right, let's quickly touch on a Big 12 matchup. And I say quickly because this one was just an absolute blowout. And we thought it might be. We both were on the side of Texas here. They were favored by 16 and a half points going into this game. And that was just never going to be enough. They do end up covering, beating the Kansas Jayhawks at home. 40-14 to 14 is the final score. Kansas' first loss on the season. Texas moves to 5-0, and oh, sitting in the top three of the AP Top 25 last week. It was just, just a blowout. I mean, it was just Texas was able to do everything that they wanted. They get up early, 10 to nothing. It's kind of close at half, 13-7, to seven, and then they pull away at the end there to make this one look kind of ugly. Uh, big storyline in this one, Jalen Daniels, the quarterback, does get knocked out for Kansas, so it's Jason Bean, the backup, that had to come in and try to save the day and was not able to. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. There's a couple quarterback injuries that you hate to see this week, and Jalen Daniels being one of them. I mean, he's, he's such an athletic playmaker. Um, you just hate to see that for anybody. Um but Texas looked really good. I think it's not the eye-popping offense that you were expecting to see. And I think that was kind of by design. I think Texas knew go, the game being at home, I think they knew that they could win this game and they could win it pretty easily. So they weren't trying to open up their entire offense. They're trying to get out there with a good win, healthy. That's what they were able to do. I think that they did just enough. And I think that that's what they meant to do. Um, and then, you know, Kansas, they, they just didn't have enough. Uh, they were mismatched. I mean, the, the talent gap is there. Yeah. I talked about it in the picks pod. I thought that they needed a big day out of running back, Jonathan Brooks. You know, I touched on what Bijan was able to do last year against Kansas, how he was able to go for over 200 yards and a couple of scores. And that boy Brooks did the same damn thing. 20 carries, 217 yards, and two tutties. A.D. Mitchell was able to get open a few times to match him and got 10 catches, 140 yards, and a score as well. So um, this Texas offense just looked as good as we thought they would. Big win for the Longhorns. All right, let's move back to the SEC. We had a great game going on here, and this one we were on opposite sides for. 
not only were we on opposite sides, we both locked up this game on opposite sides. You thought two and a half for LSU, not nearly enough. You said Tigers all day. I thought Ole Miss might be able to sneak one out here. I locked them up as a home underdog. And this one, the most points scored in any FBS game so far this year. Just an absolute shootout to the very end. No defense to be found whatsoever on the entire field. LSU goes down 49 to 55. The Rebels get a big win at home to bounce back. They're sitting at four and one now on the season. LSU drops to three and two. Not what I would have guessed to start the season. Ole Miss might have a chance in the SEC West now. Yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due. You were on the money with this pick. I mean, hats off to you. Obviously, I thought LSU was going to be able to play some defense. They were not. If you tell me the score, I would have told you that Ole Miss wins this game. I mean, when when you're getting into a shootout with the minds of Lane Kiffin calling the plays, I mean, it, it it's going to be a tough game for anybody. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, they were electric. They did exactly what they needed to on offense to be able to uh, piece some drives together. I think LSU is just going to have a tough time outscoring opponents that – are also good at scoring the ball. This defense, I mean, you you you're right. I, I I gotta I gotta take my slice of humble pie here. It is not the defense we saw last year. It's not what we've been expecting out of them. They've got a lot to get better at, and I mean that this game has just exposed all of that. Yeah, some of the offensive numbers from this game are just absolutely absurd. You know, talk about Jaden Daniels. Like it, it was not his fault that they didn't win this game by far. Over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. The running back Diggs had 100 yards and two touchdowns. But then on the other side, Jackson Dart had probably one of the best games of his career. Nearly 400 yards, four touchdowns. Quinshawn Judkins, the running back, is able to get going for 170-plus yards and a touchdown. So just absolutely video game numbers from both of these offenses. I think this is a big win for Ole Miss. Now, obviously, they've got the one loss so far, that one loss being to Alabama. So they're going to need a little bit of help, right? Like Alabama's got one loss on the season, but it's out of conference to Texas. So they're going to need Alabama to slip up here two more times in order to get back into this SEC West race. It's going to be tough, but if they can continue to put up points like they have. Now, look, you got to start playing some defense, Rebels. I know that's not your calling card, but if you want to get back into this race, that's what you're going to have to do. It'll be interesting to watch that team moving forward. They play some defense, and Hottie Toddy Tyler is back. <laughs> <laughs> if they can play some defense, this is a very good team, yeah. but it's a big if. That's a big ask from a Lane Kiffin team. For sure, for sure. All right, and then let's head to the nightcap, the sixth one of our Saturday Six Picks. We had a good game going down here, exactly what we expected, number 11 versus number 17. We have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish coming off that loss against Ohio State. How would they bounce back on the road against a good Duke team that upset Clemson in week one? We thought it might be tight, and it was. It was tied up 14-14 to 14 at the end of this game. Excuse me, 14-13. to 13. The Duke Blue Devils had a lead going into the final couple of minutes of this game. And then what happened? Sam Hartman leads the boys down the field, gets a touchdown at the end of this game to go up get the two-point conversion. It's 21-14. to 14. 
We both picked the Fighting Irish to cover that five and a half, and they do. Big win, big bounce back for the Fighting Irish. Yeah, this is what Notre Dame was looking for when they went out and they got a transfer quarterback like Sam Hartman. They needed that experienced quarterback that was able to go out and get a game-winning drive put together, and that's what he's able to do. Notre Dame's defense was what we thought they were. They have some really good defensive backs, and they were able to limit what Riley Leonard was able to do. Um, But Riley Leonard, I mean, this guy gets hurt again. Another quarterback injury that kills me to see. It was a really nasty uh, ankle injury from, from what I saw towards the end of the game. And this guy's so good. He was able to run the ball really well. I mean, he's yeah. a very good dual threat quarterback. Not to mention, <laughs> this guy's probably a better basketball player than he is football player. But Notre Dame just able to get it done, get their season back on track after that close loss to Ohio State. Exactly what they needed. Big road win for Notre Dame. And uh, yeah, that's the six picks for the week. Yeah, we did pretty good, man. I went five and one. I was so close to pulling off the perfect week. If you remember on last week's podcast in the Pick'em Pod, I flipped last second because I wrote down Auburn to cover that 14. I flipped last second. Because he's a homer. To take my Georgia Bulldogs. I couldn't bear the thought of putting two Auburn graphics up there on the post. So I, I flipped last second. I was so close to going six and oh, man. I was right there. Yeah, just it was the homer pick that gotcha, but yeah. no, you did really well. I mean, five and one against the spread is tough to do, and you, you got it done. So hats off to you. That's that's a good week. Yeah, we're both sitting above five hundred now on the season. So it's time to start. Time to start following some of these picks. You know, if you're a betting man or a betting woman, it's time to start putting a little money on some of these picks we put out because we're doing pretty good, damn good against the spread. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of days to talk about week six. Got a bunch of good games on deck. Can't wait to talk about those with you guys. And that's about it. Anything else? That's all. Give us a follow on all the social media. And we'll be back on Thursday with another five games, six games. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll do it. For my brother Tyler, I am AJ, and this was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. See you guys again soon.